All right, so uh, turn to Genesis. If you're new to the Bible, that's the first one, first book. Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Um, we're going to try to bring this Pierced to Power series to an end today. We'll not try to. We're going to. We're going to land that plane. And I believe that uh, last week when I was teaching, and I just mentioned to you briefly about Joseph and how he had, um, had, he had named his sons <clears throat> certain names, and the Bible tells us what those names mean. And when I mentioned it, it was funny because like, it was towards the end of the message, and so Mike was like, next week, because that was a word for, for all of us. Thank you. Um, and so I was like, yeah, maybe next week. So this is next week, and we're going to talk about it. And, I, and as the week unfolded, right, especially Friday, I was just like, oh, God, you have set us up, right? You already, I mean, we know that God knows all things, right? But it's like you just kind of watch it and go, wow, God, you knew what was going to take place, and you already had this for Sunday. And I've just, like, spent time with the Lord just like, hey, God, just tweak this for me. Show me exactly what you want me to say. So I am going to make a pledge to you if you will make a pledge to me. Should we cut blood and do the whole thing? Okay, you're just good making a pledge. Pinky's up, y'all. I'm kidding. Here's my pledge. And I, I truly mean this. I'm going to put myself on the clock. I, I don't want to over-talk what I think God is saying. So I promise I will not over-talk it if you will not under-listen. Some of you are like, that's not even a word, dude. I just need you to lean in, okay? Can you lean in? Because I think this is a timely word. So Genesis chapter 41, we're going to be at the end of that chapter. Let me just give you some backstory to make sure we're all on the same page. Because I do recognize that not everybody knows the Bible in today's culture. So Joseph had a dream, right? And his dream was that someday his brothers would bow down to him. Now, when you're a teenager, that's a good dream, right? The problem was he was a teenager. So he told his brothers, someday y'all going to be bound down to me. Kiss the foot, right? And so they reacted by they were going to kill him. And they decided, well, instead of killing him, we'll just drop him in this pit and just leave him here to die. So we won't actually kill him, but he'll still die. And then... Then they, he ended up being sold into slavery, taken down into Egypt. He was, um, he was in Potiphar's house um, serving him. And then he was accused of, falsely accused of rape. And he was put in jail. And he served people in jail. And then he gave some interpretations of dreams. And one person got out, and the other person got killed, and the person who got out as a, result, as a result of the dream and the interpretation forgot about Joseph. So he was in jail a little bit longer. Anyway, are you following the story? It's a lot of ups and downs and ups and mostly down. And so by the time he gets out, he's brought before the greatest, the greatest power in Egypt who has had a dream and does not know the answer to the dream. None of his people can figure out the answer to the dream. And because nobody could figure it out, the, the man who served on Pharaoh's court, who had had his dream interpreted, said to Pharaoh, Oh, I'm an idiot. 
I know this guy in prison. I remember when he interpreted a dream, two dreams actually, and mine came true and I'm still here and the other one came true. Well, that guy's not. But I remember this guy. His name is Joseph. We should probably go get him. And Pharaoh was probably like, you took, what, what took so long? Like, are you kidding me? Go get that guy. So they bring Joseph in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, in, in the first part of chapter 41, he's telling him his dream. And, and Joseph is interpreting his dream. He's had two dreams, and he tells them that both dreams are saying the same thing. And I'm just going to give you the interpretation, and then we'll move on to what I feel like the Lord has for us. He says to him, here's what's going to happen, Pharaoh. There's going to be seven years of, of amazing abundance in our land. And then it's going to be followed by seven years that are going to be so bad that it's going to take all of the abundance from the previous seven years. Yay. Thanks for the interpretation. And then he says, now here's what I would do. The Pharaoh, because he's wise, and it's amazing how you got to just read the Old Testament and read all the times that the people of God are brought in front of the enemies of God. And just watch how they treat them. Watch how the people of God interact with enemies of God. O king, O wise Pharaoh, He's not kissing up to him. He's honoring his position. I don't have time to go into all this, but dang, y'all, we drag public officials through the mud on social media. Like, the position matters. So he tells the Pharaoh, he says, you know, if you're wise, and what I would suggest you do, because you're wise, and you probably already knew this, Pharaoh, but I'm just telling you again, is I would appoint somebody to be over all the abundance of those seven years. Somebody who could take some of that margin. We talk about this all the time. You need to have some margin in your life. Take some of that margin, some of that excess, and store it away. Don't waste it all and save it somewhere so that when those years are over and we have seven lean years then the pharaoh will look like an amazingly brilliant man because you will have saved this all this wealth and you can then share it with people who are who are starving so the pharaoh goes well it seems like a great plan and he looks at all of his wise men who couldn't figure out the dream and he says i mean who among us doesn't think that this man should be the man? And he appoints Joseph as the second in command over the country. He goes so far as to say things like this. No one will move in this land without your permission. Joseph, the dude that was left for dead by his brothers and then was put in prison by the Egyptians, the people that tried to ruin him, he now has power over. Have you ever played that game where you say, if I was God, have you ever played that game? Well, if I was God, when I was, when I was in elementary school, I would tell people, well, if I was God, I would make sure there was Kool-Aid in all the water fountains. <laughs> Y'all know God's got a lot more important things to do than that, right? It's like, that's a small dream. But sometimes, do you ever do that? Do you ever think, well, if I had the power? Think about our country today. People want power, right? And they want power to, to push their own agenda, right? What would you do if you had power instantly 
over people who have tried to ruin your life. That mortgage banker that wouldn't finalize the deal and now interest rates have doubled. Well, I have power over you now and I'm going to make sure that you don't get your house, right? Like, what would we do, church? And this is important. Here's why. Here's the three points that I want to make. Number one, God has to make us forget all the pain of the past. He named his first son. Let me read it for you. We're at the end of the end of Genesis 41. It says this, before the years of famine came, and this was amazing to me. I never saw that this happened before the famine came. So they're still in the years of plenty, right? So he's blessed. God is good. And all the time, right, like we're saying this back and forth, like that's our thing. We have coffee mugs. God has blessed me. I'm a blessed man more than I deserve, right? He was blessed, and before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. I won't even get into the names I can't pronounce and how they're related to false gods, but another time. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. That's Manasseh, y'all. Some of y'all heard molasses. It's not molasses. It's Manasseh, right? And he said, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. Okay? Everybody say Manasseh. Is anybody here named Manasseh? And you're like, if I was, I'm not raising my hand now, right? What a beautiful name. <clears throat> what a beautiful name for, for, for God to give him that son and for him to name a child. Every time he said, uh, Manasseh, come here, Manasseh. I don't know what his middle name was when he was in trouble. Manasseh, Manasseh. I don't know. But every time he called the name Manasseh, he was reminded, oh, that's right. God has made me forget all my troubles. He has made me forget all the people that tried to ruin me. He's made me forget those days I spent in the pit. It doesn't mean that he couldn't physically remember it. And I think sometimes we think, well, if I keep remembering the memories, then I haven't really forgotten it. No, what forget means is, like, I'm choosing not to remember. I'm choosing not to hold on to that part of my life. I'm free from that part of my life. That is a good word. Come on. The second son, he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Specifically, the word suffering means grief. And our church has been through some of that. So God made me forget the past, and he made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. But here's the part that I want you to see. What happened when the seven years of abundance was over and the whole land moved into famine? They had fruitfulness to share with people who were hungry. No, it was way better than how you just responded. Let me say it again. They had fruitfulness. They had seven years of abundance that they had stored up. And the Bible says literally that the entire world came to Joseph and said, we need what you have. And he was able to sell to them what they needed. The entire world came to a man 
who was free from his past so that he could share his present fruitfulness. Mm, uh, we're working hard here. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. There's a famine in our land. And the famine is a morality famine. Right. We're still we're some of the church is still trying to figure out how to get back to the 80s when we had the power. Listen, it's not about power. We live in an age that is post Christian, y'all. We we don't have the morality in our culture. There's just come a point where like church and culture kind of walked alongside each other. And at some point, culture went that way. And the church went that way. Hey, we'll play super awesome music if you'll come back. We're supposed to keep going that way, right? And the reason that we're not able to follow Jesus right now is because we're not free from the hurt of the past. I believe this. And some of you are like, oh, God, now it's the Dr. Phil moment. It's not. It's the Dr. Jesus moment. Right? Listen. Just practically walk with me. He, we have to forget our past. We have to be set free from our past. Not so that we can receive the fruit of the present. Because he was going to give them fruit. We have to be free from our past so that we can take the fruit that we have now and carry it into a famine and willingly give it away. Because our world, I don't even know how to say it. I'm just going to be as transparent as I can be. It's, I just scratch my head sometimes and go, like, what is it? What even? Like, do you, sometimes I feel like aliens have come down and snatched an entire part of the globe and replaced them with, like, what even? I don't think we're supposed to mock it. Well, I mean, I know we're not supposed to mock it. We're supposed to engage with hurting people. Well, guess what you can't do when you're hurting? Engage with hurting people. Because then their pain will become all about your pain. So, there's a famine in our land. Amos 8.11 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when there will be a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There is, that's the famine that we're getting ready to step into. And I've told you this, I mean, this should not be a surprise. Like, we know, I mean, we say the best is yet to come, and it is, because the Bible takes us from, he takes us from glory to glory. That's what the word says. But in our culture, it's just going to get a little worse. <laughs> like, we're not out yet, right? We know. I mean, just look at, I don't know how much you're on social media, just look at how people have responded. Like, everything big that happens just divides everybody. And I wish it was just culture and church, but it's church and church. It's like division. Like we have the opportunity to think about these things the way God does. And, and do I want people to hurt? No, and neither does God. 
But the reality is there are some people who will never recognize the fruit that God has for them unless they've gone all the way through a famine that they didn't have to go through. Those people didn't come back to Joseph because they realized that he was smart. Oh, you're a Jew. Can you tell me about your God? They didn't come back for that. Why'd they come back? They're they're hungry. Don't point out the people next to you, but do you live with people that get hangry? You're like, dude, eat something. I will get you a rat. Eat something because you are hangry right now. You know, like when people get, get, when you get hungry, it moves you, doesn't it? And what does it make you look for? Don't overthink it. Food. Egyptians received food from a Jew that they had imprisoned. Our goal is not to be popular in a culture that is turning away from God. Our goal is to be a place where a generation that's turning away from God can come back and find food when they get hungry enough. That's the goal. But it'll never happen if we haven't been set free from our past. Vulnerable moment. Y'all, I, I, I'm, I'm not quitting. Okay, just everybody breathe. Unless you were hoping I was going to quit, and then, sorry, you're disappointed. <laughs> I turned to Wendy yesterday, and, I'm, and I said this. Honestly, honey, I mean, this... this this moment in our history, I'm just like, is this the one that's going to take us out? And she was like, she leaned in. What do you mean, take us out? I mean, just like me. Like, here we go again, right? Here I get again to look at, at church and Christians and believers and remind them that they are sons and daughters of God. That they are a family. Here we get to be rejected again. Because we stand on the truth of God. Or because we didn't say what you thought we should say while we made that person happen for saying what they thought we should say, right? Like, this is a hard season. We're going into hard times. And what have we learned? That we're going from pierced to power. He is pouring his power out on us, and that's the abundance that we get to take into a famine. It's the abundance of his power. So for Wendy now, what does that mean? It means that we do a lot of introspection. We do a lot of talking with people who can help us be free from past rejection so that we're able to extend the fruit of God to other people who also may reject but give freely. Can we bring it even closer to home? Do not raise your hand. I totally want to respect privacy. I don't want anybody to feel shamed. But if Roe v. Wade is the current issue, and it is, then there are people sitting in our churches who have not been healed from past hurts and shame in that area. And so this is going to trigger you to respond out of that hurt instead of giving away the freedom that God has given you. See, our first response as a church right now should not be to stand up and say, we were right and you were wrong. Our first response should be on our face, asking him to heal our hearts from any past hurt 
that we would dump onto a generation that needs love right now. So let me ask you this question. Are you free from the past? Does Manasseh describe your life? Or has God made you forget the things in your past so that you can be Ephraim now? He can give you the blessings now, make you fruitful in the land of your affliction. I know it's summertime. Everybody's going to go to the beach, right? It's what? Oh, I thought you were telling me. Don't say that. Okay. Wendy said that's good. That was Wendy approved, y'all. It's the just, it's, it's just summertime, and everybody's going to go to the beach. Okay, I get it, right? I get it. And there's nothing wrong with that because we will also be at the beach in August. Everybody say yay. Vacations are good. So this has nothing to do with whether or not you're in church. Just listen. He made him fruitful in the land of his affliction. Like, stop living a life that you have to escape from. If I could just get a better job, if I could just get out of this family, if I could just get a spouse that loves me, if I could just get a nicer car, if the government would just make this law happen and that law happen, if, 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 and God just like, dude, or do that, stand in the land I've put you. Let me make you fruitful there. In the land, he was still in the land of his affliction. He was still there. Second in command over the land that tried to persecute him. And, and, and what I keep going back to, and then we're going to stop. I keep going back to this. Oh, God, I'm just talking about me. I don't know about y'all. Could I be trusted with that kind of power in our country right now? Could you? He was second in command. He could have said to Pharaoh, you know what? It was a great plan, but I've had a change in my mind, and I'm not going to give any of this excess to these people. And Pharaoh would have said, well, you're wearing the signet ring, dude. Which meant what he said went. He had that kind of power. And I want, to be a, I want to be somebody who can be trusted with that kind of power, that kind of influence. Y'all, we have influence. I mean, I'm not trying to do a leadership lesson here, but, like, you carry a bucket of gas and you carry a bucket of water. And you get to pick which one you're going to throw in the fires that you're going to encounter. I would tell you to throw some water on fire. That a soft answer really does turn away wrath. That when we respond that way, people go, dang, like that person just beat them up on social media and they responded with grace? Whoa, what's that about? That gets people's attention, right? That's called being fruitful in the land of your affliction. And God's going to, he is already making the church fruitful in the land of our affliction. I believe in every possible way he's going to restore us to places of influence and prominence. The question is, what will we do when we get there? Because our country is headed into a famine. It's a famine of truth. It's a famine of morality. 
It's a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Like, listen, so much so that there are people in our country right now who will turn this off when they see that it's a white man preaching it. Now, my response to that is, let's get some people who ain't white to preach, right? Like, it doesn't have to just be one person one time. But, like, it doesn't invalidate the truth, right? Because truth is truth. It's God's word. And that's the powder keg that we live in right now. And we can either throw our hands up and go, well, I don't know what we're going to do about it. But eventually, like, God will come back and we'll be in heaven with a harp. Or we can take the word of God to those people and share it with people who are literally starving to death and don't even know it yet. All right, I'm done. Yeah. He makes us forget our past so he can make us fruitful in our present so we can take that into the famine of the future. That's what he's doing in our church. And so let's start with the one thing we can control. I'm going to ask you right now just to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to examine your heart and let the Lord examine your heart. This is a good place to start. Search me, God, and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. God, we give you permission right now to search us and to highlight areas of our lives where we, we might not be healed. There, is, there could be pain, God, in our lives right now from past experiences that legitimately were supposed to cause us pain. It's not because we experienced things wrongly. It's because we experienced things. There are People in this room right now, God, who have experienced deep loss over the last few years. And we're asking you, God, not to help us forget people, but help us to be free from the crippling pain. There are people in this room who have never uttered a word to anybody about things that happened years ago and feel the guilt and shame of that and God we're asking right now that you would help us to forget that so that we can steward well the fruit that you're pouring out on our church and on the church so that we can share it God my heart breaks for people in this generation who are literally so blinded by the enemy that their thinking is like, I don't want your God. And my prayer, Lord, is that you would give us the Father's heart, which is to feed those people when they're hungry. When they realize this famine is killing me and I got to get some food. God, I pray that this would be a house where they could run to God and receive food and not judgment. 
and also truth that changes us. It'll make for really bad streaming, and it's okay. But I'm just going to be quiet and just let you and the Lord hang out. God, I just pray the words in Acts 4 that, that as we repent before you, times of refreshing would come. Because that's who you are, man. You pour out refreshing on us because what you're after is that we would have your heart and your mind and that we would see the world through your eyes. And God, I pray over this body, those here in the room and those that are watching, God, I pray that you would continue to equip us to carry the power that you've given us to the most vulnerable among us. And we, we're not going to settle for coming in here just having a really fantastic service and rah, 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 and then like go do nothing. We want to shine our light in the darkest places. And we're asking you, God, recharge our batteries right now. Like recharge us so that when we walk out of here, God, in the things that we post, in the places that we go, the people that we talk to, the conversations that you're already setting up. We're going to see people today when we go eat lunch or supper out at a restaurant, and you're setting us up to have conversation. And we're asking that, the, that you would shine your light through us brightly. This is, God, the time for us to step into that valley of decision and lead a nation to victory. We thank you for God. In your name, Jesus. Amen.